Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 995 of the Juicebox Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Mary. She's 34 years old, a type 1, and a registered nurse. She's also had two kidney transplants and a pancreas transplant. Hey, you're not going to want to miss this. While you're listening, please remember. I'm sorry, it's late. I'll do it again. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If you're thinking about supporting the sponsors, thank you. Please use the links in the show notes of your podcast player or the ones available at juiceboxpodcast.com if you can't remember the links, you know, when you hear them in the ads. You can support me by buying your Omnipods, Dexcoms, getting your supplies from US Med, getting a Contour Next Gen meter, Gvoke Hypopen, drinking AG1, buying your sheets and clothes from CozyEarth.com, checking out Touched by Type1.org, and looking into therapy from BetterHelp. If you're looking for support, check out our private Facebook group. It's absolutely free. Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook. It has 41,000 active members. This episode of the Juicebox Podcast is sponsored by Dexcom. Dexcom, of course, makes the Dexcom G6 and Dexcom G7 continuous glucose monitoring systems. You can learn more, get your benefits checked, or get started at my link. Today's podcast is also sponsored by Omnipod. Now, Omnipod makes the Omnipod 5 and Omnipod Dash. These are both terrific tubeless pumps. You're going to go check them out and decide which one's for you. Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. Use my link. Get yourself uh, all set up. I mean, the nuts, the, what do they say? What's that saying? Soup to nuts. Everything you need. Soup to nuts. Is What does that mean? Soup to nuts. Oh, I'll look it up and tell you in the ad later. Anyway, Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. Check out the Omnipod 5 and the Omnipod dash. Soup to nuts. What could that mean? It's got to be something about how I'm, uh, we'll figure it out. Hi, I'm Mary. I live in Oklahoma City. I'm a registered nurse and I've been diabetic since I was nine. Became a registered nurse when I was 24. What else do I need to say? How old are you now? 34. Oh my, 34. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost so over, old. Mary. <laughs> yeah, like I've way past the halfway mark. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of nursing? What kind of nursing do you do? Um, I've been all over the place right now. I'm actually into like corporate nursing. Like I got into the administrative side, like more dealing with executive and explaining to them like this is what the nurses need, kind of being li- liaison to like helping improve what the nurses need oh. are in the hospital, which has been really neat. I've only been doing that for like two years, but it's been really been really rewarding so far are you the lady on the tv show in the pantsuit holding the folder to her chest off in the corner i wish oh. <laughs> but no no does everyone know it's that a, scene in every hospital drama i think i think they do yeah, yeah. mine's really less glamoring than that but <laughs> it's lady. a lot of it's a lot of numbers a lot of uh checking stuff you know seeing what the nurses are up to and then like translating that into like this is 
this is why this is going on in the hospital. Wow. Oh, that's interesting. How did you make the transition to that? Man, it's all part of my story, but I just, since I've had like three transplants, like being on the floor and like with such a low immune system, just like didn't really feel right. But like, I love nursing. So it's like, okay, like nursing is like a very, very big world. Like if you get tired of one area, like there's tons of areas to go into. And I was like, okay, how can I like still keep my immune system up, but also like not put myself at risk. And um, I got a job as corporate nurse at this uh, company that owns about 34 facilities around the Oklahoma area. And they have like a corporate office in the city that you can do remote work, but also like work in the office. And I was like, this, this would be great for me. Well, And I worked in geriatrics for a while. So I was a director of nursing. And so like the administrative side was there and it just all fell into place. Honestly. Hmm. Well, that's amazing. Well, now you have done what they uh, call in the business, tickled their ass with a feather, Mary. You've given a little taste of the story down the road. And then it's my job to bring you back to the beginning because people right now are like, did she say what? transplants? And like, she did. But I'm not telling you about yeah. that yet. You have to listen to the thing now. See how it works? Yeah, let's call the hook. Yeah. yeah. You're very what? good at this. You've never heard tickle your ass with a feather? No, I have. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you've done. Good job. Yeah. Have you done this before? I love it. This is the first time. So here we go. All right. So you're diagnosed when you're nine. Uh, mm-hmm. Are there any other type ones or autoimmune in your family that would have made anybody think one of these kids is definitely getting diabetes? Yes. Um, I have a cousin, older cousin, who is type one. And my dad actually passed away when I was three of like an autoimmune deficiency. Of course, this was like in the 80s. So like they didn't really know what it was like. He kept getting sick. They did exploratory surgery on him, which like isn't a thing anymore. Mm -hmm. And they saw his spleen was enlarged. They took it out and they're like, oh, you're good. So we think there's some sort of um, autoimmune issue that he had. Um, but we just don't know what it was. And then my cousin. And so my mom was very aware, like she is educated. She was a biology teacher. And so she kind of watched me pretty close. And when I was in school, I just like was thirsty all the time and going to the bathroom. I even like my teacher even sat me in the back of the room and she was like, okay, I'm just going to have you hold up a one if you need a drink and hold up a two if you have to go to the bathroom. And I'll just nod at you because it was like so constant. I was like interrupting class all the time. Mm. So my mom took me to the doctor's office. Of course, it was on a Friday and they checked. They check my blood sugar and they call her back that afternoon and they're like, yeah, her blood sugar was like 701. Like we want to have her come back on Monday for a recheck. And my mom's like, uh, nah, I'm just going to like take her to the hospital. (laughs) So she packs me up and like the closest, like we grew up in Bentonville, Arkansas, and there's like, there wasn't even an endocrinologist in our area. So like the closest place for us to go was Tulsa. So she like picked me up from school drove me to Tulsa, like the children's hospital there. And it was like, I think she's diabetic. Hmm. Yeah. What did they do? Spill sugar in the blood sample? Like how would it get? Yeah. Like how, how would it be 701? That would be a mistake. (laughs) Like, and why are we waiting three days? (laughs) You guys just come back. Like, listen, either on Monday or if she slips into a coma, can, okay. Either, either or. Yeah. So I was pretty lucky to not get sick. My mom, I, I, 
give her credit for all of that. She noticed the signs, she knew what to do and got me into the hospital. And I just, I didn't really understand what was going on because I wasn't sick. Like I'm, I'm being admitted to the hospital. Like what? If we're peeing a lot. Yeah. yeah. Like, cause I can't gain weight. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't understand. But um, we also like had a neighbor at the time that was diabetic and who was very uncontrolled. And I just remember like he was always begging us to like sneak him food. And I was like, I'm never going to have a brownie again. Like, <laughs> oh, you that's... knew you knew a kid who was like, yes, on the black market looking for cupcakes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And so I remember like that's the only thing I could say is like, I'm never going to have a brownie again. <laughs> like, this is it. Your mom's like, like shut up. <laughs> I'm like, can we just stop and get a brownie? By like, the way, for, last brownie for your mother, like rehab. <laughs> for your mother, this is only this is only a handful of years after losing her husband, too. Yeah, wow. absolutely. Yeah, she she was a trooper. Yeah, she was a single mom of two for four years, and then uh, she got remarried to like my now dad. Like I consider him my dad because he adopted me, and he mm. is my dad. Yeah, and then like. I don't even think they had been married a year and then I'm diagnosed. Yeah. It's like, bam. I'd love to talk to him. I bet you there was a split second where he was like, "Uh Oh, what I do. Yeah. He's like, and he's not like medical at all. Like he's the smartest person I know, but like you talk medical stuff and he's like, what? You know, I just, listen, it's been years and I'm sure he's delightful, but I bet you there was a split second where he was like, ah, damn, 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 damn. (laughs) <laughs> oh, what like, I do, what I do, what I do. Yeah. What are we doing? Yeah. I know. I married the lady and her kid. Uh oh, uh oh. <laughs> her kid's dying. Yeah, great, great, good. It's fine, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> like, you know, then you get over it, you relax a little bit, uh, and, and then you go on. Uh, yeah. So you get this diagnosis, and mm-hmm. it's a long time ago, right? What year? Yeah. Okay, so if I was nine, let's do some math. Nineteen ninety-seven, yeah. Ninety-seven. Mm-hmm. Okay, how how does the management begin? Yeah, so there, like I said, there was no endocrinologist in our area, so we there like insulin pumps like wasn't even a thing. Like I, sh- I'm sure, like I date myself pretty well by saying that. So we started with just I had to like eat six times a day, like with the NPH. And that was like a really hard adjustment. Like we didn't even have like the capability, like the capabilities that we do now were just like not even a thing then. So like I had to eat at like 6.30, 9.30, 12.30, 3.30, 6.30, 9.30, like every day. Yeah. And you gave yourself the same amount of insulin. So like if like going to a birthday party and having pizza and cake, like wasn't a thing. Like at all. I did have some great teachers in school because at 930, instead of like me, like whipping out my own snack, like they made it to where our class got to have a snack. So like I was like the cool kid in school. <laughs> like, yeah, we, we get to have goldfish because, you know. Mary is the like, bringer of goldfish. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. <laughs> so so that was nice. But like I'm telling you, Saturday mornings or you know, going to birthday parties, it was, it was difficult. Like you were the person that like changed the schedule or you were just over there sitting, like not eating what everyone else was eating. And like, thank goodness for short acting insulin coming along. Cause yeah. that like, that was a game changer for I all imagine. of us. Yeah, I we were like, we were like, what? Mary, I Hey, eat? I think that microphone's touching something. Oh yeah. It's my hair. Mm-hmm. 
I expressly at the beginning told you to be careful about that. And now look where we are. Nine minutes. I know. You're just talking and having a good time and you forgot all about your hair. <laughs> yeah, I was just tossing my hair back and forth. I could I could feel you. You were like you were, you're catching a, a, a stride. I was like, she's really into this story. I don't want to mention this, but I keep hearing but it's gonna get really bad yeah well, and i'm and it makes me mental i don't even know another way to put it like i hear it i'm like please stop touching that microphone i can hear myself in my head uh anyway okay so all right so you are on the mother of all schedules like they are shooting insulin into you and you are eating the same things over and over again yes Ugh. jesus was yeah. that terrible does that stick was, with you as an adult yeah it was terrible like the variety was just not, there was, there was no such thing as variety. Like you knew like, you know, goldfish or peanut butter crackers at nine 30 and three 30 and your breakfast, lunch, and dinner were, were pretty the same. Like anywhere from 30 to 45 carbs was it hmm. like you had to make it work. So yeah. how long did that go on for? And I know I was in high school whenever I got an insulin pump. So at least five or six years. It was a long time. Did you stick to it? Um, yes. My parents were very supportive. Of course, like it was one of those situations where we didn't under, like when I was diagnosed, I was in the honeymoon phase and I was like, oh, we got this, you know, mm -hmm. like A plus B equals C, right? Like that's how it works. And then like I get into like my teenage years and the hormones just like totally threw everything off. And we were like, what do we do? Like, we're doing, like, we haven't changed anything. Her diet hasn't changed. Like, I don't even have, like, a sweet tooth at all. Mm -hmm. And so, like, when my blood sugars would be, like, over 200, I'd be like, what did I do wrong? Like, I ate exactly what I was supposed to eat. Like, I was a perfectionist. Like, if I took a test and got a 99, instead of being like, that was great. I'm like, well, what, what was the 1% I missed? Like, tell me what I missed. Yeah. So, going through that was, like, Going through puberty was really difficult for me. You know, we didn't have Dexcoms. We couldn't see what my blood sugars were doing. So we would go, I remember like we would, I would dread driving to Tulsa to go to the doctor's office because I'm like, they're just going to be mad at me. Like I didn't, I didn't do well. And we would go there and my parents were always super supportive. Like you're trying your best. That's all you can do. You know, and I would leave just feeling like I failed. Like it was a test that I failed. Yeah. Well, because when your parents say you're trying your best, that's all you can do. Even as a child, you know, eh, that's not okay. Like, yeah, it's yeah. still not okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's okay, buddy. No, it's not. It, like, my, and you're it, supposed yeah. to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> my parents. Well, my son once said to me, he goes, you're my dad. What else are you going to say? And I was like, oh, he's right. <laughs> yeah, he's totally right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But this doctor is telling me that I'm messing up. And it was difficult. Real, really in those words or just that's how it felt? No, in those words. Oh, like okay. I did, no, I did have a great endocrinologist that was like super supportive and nice. And then he like got a promotion and went, moved to Texas and we were devastated. And then the one after that was just like, just a, I don't, there's not even a word for him. Just very harsh. Mm -hmm. Like I have a son and his hemoglobin or his A1C is like 4.5. And it's like, that's not even healthy, but okay, like, I'll try harder. Like, you know, yeah. what do we do? And there wasn't really much adjustment you could do. I was going to say, was there any, like, suggestions after that or just admonishment? Yeah, it, right? Like, we didn't leave, like, making any changes. And so it's like, okay, like, do better, but we have no suggestions. 
yeah. for you. That's, that's great. I, oh, do you, do you listen okay. to the podcast? I do. Yeah. Does it surprise you when I use a word like admonishment, but then you realize I'm an idiot at the same time? Because it just took me by surprise. <laughs> I said it and I was like, why is Mary's episode me being really thoughtful? And somebody <laughs> else's episode, I'm just like a, a like a, like a goofy <laughs> moron. Like I can't figure, I can't, I can't even figure myself out. I'm, I'm trying to decide. It's got to do something with people's speaking style and their voices, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, it's me. I have like a very sweet voice. You're drawing me into being thoughtful somehow. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank I you. I feel like you need that sometimes. Yeah, oh, no, I definitely do. Like if too many like, people come on in a row where I'm just like, you know, being zany for some reason, even when I'm editing, I'm like, I got to spread these out a little bit. <laughs> nobody nobody wants because you because i can get into like a a jag you know what i mean sort of like you with your with your goldfish i can sort of do the same thing over and over again and so when i sit down later to edit i'll be like wow for that 10 days i was really like somber or i was really goofy and then i just i I take those episodes and I kind of pepper them around each other a little bit so that you don't like turn the podcast on three times in a row and it's like you know me with a seltzer bottle and a big red nose. Um, but anyway. Yeah, I, that's that's the week someone subscribed and they're like, you know what? The guy's an you idiot. Know. I'm not doing this. Yeah, yeah. So I am. Um, but just now, I, my, I wish you could, like, I said admonishment and a voice inside of my head went, ooh, good word. <laughs> ooh, use that one again. <laughs> Save that one. And now Write instead of just writing it, now I'm just ruining it by bringing it up. But all right. All right so. Well, that's a lot, isn't it? So now you've got the the doctor leaves on you and mm-hmm. you have no instruction. Do things begin to spin out of control? You know, for a few years, yes. Like I remember going in and then just my A1C being eight and nine. And they're like, you know what? Like you are just, you are just ruining yourself. Like, and it was, it was a really hard time, like as a teenager, um, especially like, when I wanted to do well, you know, it would be one thing if like, I didn't care. And then I went in and was like, well, yeah, like that makes sense. But like for someone who tried really hard, like I was checking my blood sugar, like eight, nine, 10 times a day, like in between meals, like trying to figure out like, what is happening? Where is this? Like, where is this going wrong? Is it the middle of the night? Like, why is my insulin not working? You know, I got to the point where I was like, well, maybe insulin doesn't even work for me. Maybe I have something else. And then we finally got an endocrinologist like in my area who was phenomenal. And he's like, hey, like they have these insulin pumps. I think you're a perfect candidate for it. Like since your blood sugars are all over the place. And we were like, yeah, like let's do it. And of course, like the pump was was life changing for me as I think a junior in high school is when I got it. Junior or senior in high school. I got like the Medtronic, like the first Medtronic insulin pump and i was like wow this is incredible like where Mm. has this been my whole life like imagine how different my childhood would have been with this this existed how would you like to know what your blood sugar is without poking a hole in your finger you can with the dexcom g6 continuous glucose monitoring system which is available at dexcom.com forward slash juice box not only does dexcom offer zero finger sticks but you can get your glucose readings right on your smart device. That's your iPhone or your Android. Don't have a phone? That's okay. You can use Dexcom's receiver. On any of these devices, you're able to set up customizable alerts and alarms 
setting your optimal range so that you'll get notified when your glucose levels go too high or too low. And you can share this data with up to 10 followers. Imagine what that could look like. Your child could be at school and their data could be available to you, your spouse, their aunt, the school nurse, anyone who you choose. My daughter's been wearing a Dexcom forever and it helps us in multiple ways. Around meals, we're able to see if our boluses are well-timed and well-measured. If they aren't, we can tell by how her blood sugar reacts and then go back the next time and make an adjustment. Without the Dexcom CGM, we're sort of flying blind, but not just at meals, also during activity and sleep. The Dexcom offers us an unprecedented level of comfort and security. Being able to see my daughter's blood sugars in real time, and not just the number, but the speed and direction, is an absolute game changer if you're using insulin. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Head over there today to see if you're eligible for a free 10-day trial of the Dexcom G6. The Dexcom is at the center of how we've been able to keep our daughter's A1C between 5'2 and 6'2 for over seven years. We've been able to minimize variability and keep her blood sugars in a stable range because of the information that we can see with the Dexcom. These are our results and yours may vary, but using Dexcom's feedback has helped my daughter, without any food restrictions, live a more normal and healthy life. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. My daughter Arden began wearing the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump on February 4th, 2009. That was 5,093 days ago. Or another way to think of it, 1,697 pods ago. At that time, she was four years old. Hang out with me for a moment while I tell you more about the Omnipod. Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. Today, Arden is 18 and still wearing Omnipod. Back then, there was one choice, just one pod. But today, you have a decision to make. Do you want the Omnipod 5, the first and only tubeless automated insulin delivery system to integrate with the Dexcom G6? Because if you do, it's available right now for people with type 1 diabetes ages 2 years and older. The Omnipod 5 is an algorithm-based pump that features smart adjust technology. That means that the Omnipod 5 is adjusting insulin delivery based on your customized target glucose. That's helping you to protect against high and low blood sugars, both day and night, automatically. Both the Omnipod 5 and the Omnipod Dash are waterproof. You can wear them while you're playing sports, swimming, in the shower, the bathtub, anywhere really. That kind of freedom coupled with tubeless, a tubeless pump. You understand it's not connected to anything. The controller is not connected to the pod. The pod is not connected to anything. You're wearing it on the body tubelessly. No tubing to get caught on doorknobs or anywhere else that tubing with those other insulin pumps can get caught. Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. That's where you go to find out more. You may be eligible for a free 30-day trial of the Omnipod Dash. You should check that out too when you get to my link. Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. So if you're looking for an insulin pump that is tubeless, waterproof, and automated, you're looking for the Omnipod 5. If you want to do it on your own and you're not looking for the automation, Omnipod Dash. 
For full safety, risk information, and free trial terms and conditions, please also visit Omnipod.com forward slash juicebox. I think this all the time, like just we're in such an interesting place. Like if I started this podcast 20 years from now, the stories like yours would almost be gone, right? Absolutely. Yeah, but because of where it is now, there's just so many conversations with people who all I can think, why am I getting, why am I going from serious to emotional? What is wrong with me, Mario? (laughs) I'm ready for it. Bring it on. I'm going to cry. I don't even know you. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Like, if you were just born in a different time, this wouldn't have happened to you. Right. No, that's, I think about that all the time, but then I'm like, no, I wouldn't have my story that I have now. Yeah. You know, like it's part of my story. Like it makes me a more empathetic nurse. Like, um, I mean, of course, I would like to have not gone through three major surgeries and all that. But, like, yeah, mm. I do have those thoughts. But you just kind of have to, like, push them inside and be like, you no, know I- what? But but it wasn't. It didn't exist. So here we are. And, like, what can we do now? Yeah, I know. And in my regular life, I don't think like that. It's just that when you sit here and you're staring at a blank wall, and so, and you are right, by the way. You have a sweet voice. Like, it's – by the way, that was weird of you to bring up on your own. You could have let me say it. But um, when you have, a, you have a sweet voice, and it makes me – you know what I think the problem is? You're talking, and I'm picturing somebody I know listens to the podcast. Oh yeah. And I can see her in my in my mind. And she mm-hmm. doesn't have your situation, but like I can see her in like, you know, at a concert in a pair of like cowboy boots and cut off shorts and like, <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like I'm like, is this who Mary is? I have no idea if this is who you are, by the way. But um I'm attaching your story and your voice to a different person. And so it's yeah. it's making me upset because I I know that person better. So yeah. Anyway, um, do you own a pair of cowboy boots that you wear to occasions? You know what? I wish I could say yes, but I don't. Oh, it's okay. I I I, I don't. I'm not judging you one way or the other. I know, but but people are like, "Oh, you live in Oklahoma? Like, is all you do is wear cowboy boots and hats?" And it's like, <laughs> no, actually, there's more to Oklahoma than that. But. I'll tell you, I'm really I'm upset because I think the uh, Pepperidge Farm Company probably took a big hit when you went to that insulin pump. <laughs> oh, I know. They were probably like they were probably sitting in a room going like I don't understand what happened, but our numbers are way down. Right? <laughs> yeah, and they did a little investigating, found out a girl named Mary got an insulin pump, and she's not buying goldfish anymore. Um, but that and juice boxes. And tr- so <laughs> yeah, yeah, boy, that's interesting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. The insulin pump company is really digging into the juice box market. That's true, yeah. and now you can't even find juice boxes. But that's a whole other subject. It's a COVID thing, right? Right? Yeah. Something. Also, um, I just want to call everyone out who like makes food. We we see you making the packages bigger and putting less food in it and charging more. We're not stupid. Stop it. Yeah. Yeah. We see it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Ripping us off and, and under the guides of oh, it's COVID. COVID. It's over. Like let it go. <laughs> you can't keep ripping me off because of COVID. It's you know what I mean. Companies like, oh, we're, we're making our packaging smaller. I used to buy these little cookies every couple times a year. And uh, I wish I remember the name of them because I'd shame them right now. Hold on a second. I'm sorry. We'll get back to you in a second. <laughs> I found them because they made good gluten-free chocolate chips. Like little small, like brown cookies? Or you're saying like a cookie? Uh, they They were bigger. Like you'd get a few in a bag and... 
hell is the name of them? This is pissing me off now. I really want to give them crap. <laughs> yeah, like you have to call them oh, by name. Tate's. Never heard of that. All right, Tate's Bake Shop, and their cookies come in like a bag. There's two cellophane things inside of the bag, and I forget, there's maybe five cookies in each cellophane thing. These cookies used to be like a couple of, like maybe three inches across, and they were expensive. Okay. And their gluten-free cookies were really good, and there was a time when I was trying to eat gluten-free for a month, and that's how I found them. And so even after I stopped eating gluten-free, I still would buy these cookies once in a while. And and by expensive, sure. I mean like six bucks maybe for, I don't know, 10 cookies or something like that. That's expensive to me. I'm very cheap. And I went and bought them recently and the cookies are so much smaller now. <laughs> of course. And I opened them up. And the, the price is double. Mary, I'm gonna, I, I don't want to lie to you. I got in the car. I had gone grocery shopping. I'm, I'm going to have one of these cookies before I drive home. And I opened it up and this is what I said. You motherfuckers, look at that. Yes, you did, and you threw them out the window. (laughs) To myself in my car, I was like, you sons of bitches. Like, the cookies are significantly smaller now. Shame on you, Tates. There, there it is. I hope it gets back to them. I hope so. Give me the regular cookie size. I mean, And then they're going to mail you, like, a box of them and be like, we're so sorry. Like, this is what the demand was. You're like, no, it wasn't. It it was, what a cost-cutting thing. And nothing. It, It doesn't say on the bag. Hey, by the way, if you're used to our cookies being bigger, gird your loins because we're going to rip you off here. Like, you know, like at least give me a heads up. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's upsetting (laughs) to me, obviously. Obviously. Also, see how uncomfortable I was with how emotional I'm feeling. I'm just deriving the the conversation. You know what would make me feel better? Talking about cookies. Yeah, yelling about cookies. I don't Yelling. That's what I really care about right now. Shaming a cookie company. Yeah, f- you, Tates. There, that's it. <laughs> there it <laughs> I'm, is. I'm leaving there it right it there. Uh, I love that you curse, but you're from the Midwest, by the way. I don't know why that's a, a, intriguing to me. Yeah, it's actually uh, very uncommon. So yeah, because when we were talking before we started, I stopped myself from cursing, and you cursed to let me know it was okay. Yeah, I, I feel like that's a that's the thing that you have to do in the Midwest. Like you're like, hey, like I'm chill. It's all right. Like, yeah. I'm not going to shame you. No, no, I, I definitely wasn't sure if you were going to make me go to church or hold me in a river or something like that. So I, I was just <laughs> going to be. Hold you in a river. Yeah. Does that reference make sense? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't want to be held down in a river. <laughs> That's not all. today. Not today. Not, not ever. Not, I, not today, Satan. Oh, you would just hear me complain. I'd be like, it's called stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! You're like no I idea. like you, but please. I I, I want to be cleansed, but I, I I just I don't want to be in this chilly water. <laughs> End the terror, please. Uh, I'm such a baby. All right, okay. So, uh, I, I'm sorry. You have diabetes, and then uh, things get off the rails. But when do you have your first medical issue? Oh, that's a good question. When was my first medical issue? Well, like after. I graduated high school. I randomly had pancreatitis and like, it's interesting because the amount of times I've been in the hospital now, like if you present to the hospital and you say like you're type one, they're like, oh my gosh, they're in DKA. Like, like you just mentioned you're diabetic and that's like the first thing they go towards. And I understand to a degree, but we also can have other issues other than our blood sugars. And so I had been camping and got really sick, nausea, vomiting, and uh, going to the hospital and 
they're like, oh, I bet she's in DKA. Like, you know, as an 18 year old, like, I understand what you're saying. Like, I can hear you talking and like, my blood sugars are fine. Mm. Like, I'm good. Finally, after running a bunch of tests, I was in pancreas. I had pancreatitis. You know, I get better, leave the hospital. Two years later, it happens again. And they're like, well, this is weird. Maybe it's your gallbladder. Let's just take it out. And like before becoming a nurse, like you just kind of trust everything the doctor says. Like, oh, like they went to school. They know what they're talking about. Like, sure, that's probably it. Yeah. And then now like being in the medical field, I'm like, question everything. (laughs) Of course. You know, like trust yourself, you know, trust your body. Like not to diss the doctors by any means, but you know yourself the best. And so we got the pancreas out. I mean, not the pancreas, sorry, the gallbladder out. Two years later, it happens again. And I'm like, okay, like taking the gallbladder out didn't help. By this point, I'm 22. Like I'm on a pump. Like things are going fine. Like I'm managing myself through college. I actually like intern with the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, like get a job there. Like I graduate from the University of Arkansas with a degree in health science. And I'm like, I think this is what I want to do, like work for JDRF. And then I was at that job and I was like, you know what? Like I was stuck in the office. I really wanted to be on the event side of things and it just wasn't happening. And I was like, I've got to do something else. I'd always wanted to be a nurse, but can I tell you the amount of conversations I had had with people that were like, oh, can you do that? Like being diabetic? Like, can you be a nurse? nurse. I was like, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, it kind of threw me off. Like, oh, I can't? Like, I always thought I could, but maybe that's not a good idea. And then finally, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. You know, if you had a decent pair of boots, they would have let you go to the events. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) That's your own fault. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is. I totally take full blame. So when you mentioned I want to be an RN, then I guess people think about like, hustle and bustle and running around and not having a lot of downtime. And then yeah, thank you. And like just the crazy schedule, you know, like I think for my generation, like having consistency really helped control like your blood sugar. Okay. Like if you had a like predictable, consistent day, like it left less room for your blood sugars to, you know, go all over the place. And so like to be a nurse, like in the hospital, like, would you have time to eat? Like, are you going to be able to take a break when you need to? Like what happens if your blood sugar is going low and right. you're like taking care of patients? Like I think there was just a lot of anxiety with the unknown of that. Yeah. Can, can I ask a and, different question? How aware of you at this time are you about your birth father's demise? Because. Oh, very. Because very. now people are like saying about you, hey, why don't we just start plucking organs out of her? And I, cause I'd be like, that's what they did to my dad before he died. Like that would have hit me that way. But. uh, Oh yeah, absolutely. And it would, it came up a lot because like, let me tell you, like I could probably sit here and talk to you for hours just about my story. Cause it's just so like wild and bizarre and unusual from the normal path. But like I even had uveitis twice and like uveitis is like the inflammation of the middle layer of your eye. It's very uncommon. And like to have it twice is like extremely uncommon. Like the eye doctors, the ophthalmologists are like, I've actually never seen anyone have it twice. And I'm like, cool. Like, (laughs) I'm so glad like I'm an anomaly, but like, can we figure out like why this stuff is going on? 
Like, so between the uveitis, the pancreatitis, like, I, I'm very, very aware that like, this probably has to do with my dad, like, whatever he had, like, they couldn't figure it out. And like, can, can we please figure it out? Like, I would almost rather have like a cancer diagnosis just because it's a diagnosis. It feels right? like it feels like, like an answer, even if it's a bad answer. It, yeah, like even if it's a bad answer. Like I have this have... here. Uveitis often happens to people who have autoimmune condition. This is where yeah. The, yeah. So um hold on. Autoimmune conditions known to cause uveitis include I never say this right. Ankylosing spondylitis, a condition where the spine and the other areas of the body become inflamed. Any idea any chance you have that? I, not that I'm aware of. You're like, not yet. <laughs> like, like, yeah, please don't like speak that into existence <laughs> don't for put me. That, don't put that in my head. Thanks yeah. a lot. Um, the spondylitis is, I'm going to give you more context for it, a type of arthritis that causes inflammation in the joints and ligaments of the spine. Yeah, no spine issues as of, as of today at 34. But okay, cool. Um, I will tell. That's heck. It's more common among men. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't worry. Only two hundred thousand people a year have it. Yeah. I don't <laughs> know if there's a statistic about getting it again, but apparently that is very rare. As yeah. Mayo, as the Mayo Clinic uh, ophthalmologist told me, like, yeah. I've never, I've never seen anyone have it twice. Like, oh, cool. Also, don't feel good about that two hundred thousand number because that's the same number for type one diabetes. So, you know. <laughs> You might that that number might be for other people, not for you and 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 people listening to this podcast. Um, mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So, does it clear up on its own the eye thing, or do they do something for it? No. Um, you have to. I mean, basically, since it's just inflammation of the middle layer of an eye, you just take um, steroids. And so, I had to put a steroid drop in my eye once an hour for like thirty six hours. Wow. So. Could your, eyes, could your eyes lift weights after that? Or uh, I hope so. A lot of steroids. In did that affect your blood sugar? Yes, it did. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It did. But it was like extremely painful. And I think like throughout my life, I've been like, I came to this realization, like to, to like trust myself and like what's going on. Cause I always felt like I was over, like I was being overly dramatic on what was going on with my body. Mm-hmm. Like I you know, I presented with this pancreatitis and I'm like, you know what? My stomach really hurts. Like I'm not crying. Like I'm not hunched over, but I'm like, I, I think something's going on. Like my back hurts, my stomach hurts. I can't stop vomiting. And they're like, oh yeah. Okay. And like with the uveitis, I'm like, you know what? Like my eye like really hurts. I'm having a hard time seeing like it's in a lot of pain. And then they're like, oh my gosh, like you have uveitis. You know, it's like, I always feel like I was I have to like trust myself just because I don't present the way some other people do. Like yeah. when I get really sick, I get like really quiet. I don't want to talk. Like I, I'm just not a crier when I don't feel good. Mm-hmm. And like, I just felt like people like weren't believing what was going on with my body. Because you don't look like, the way they expect somebody to look when they're sick. Yeah. I'm not presenting the way yeah. that you would expect. And so when I got uveitis again, I was like, Oh, I know, I already know what this is, you know? And I, when I went, I called um, an ophthalmologist and I was like, I need to get in today. And they're like, well, we don't have anything. I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like I have uveitis. 
Like I need the steroid drops. I have to get in today, you know, and 10 years prior to that, like I never would have been that patient. I never would have like, I would have been like, oh, okay. Like I can wait till tomorrow. It's mm-hmm. cool. And I'm like, no, like, I'm just going to come and sit in the office. <laughs> yeah. Like exactly. Like I'll, I'll wait, like squeeze me in. Like I'll wait 10 hours if I have to, but I have to be seen today yeah that's interesting wow okay so you're you're advocating for yourself obviously what's the next surgery you have yeah so i finally decide to go to nursing school i get in in oklahoma city that's what brought me to oklahoma city um i had a cousin that was living here going to college here and she was like we could be roommates it would be fun i was like perfect move to oklahoma city start nursing school and that's when my anemia started Mm. And when I first was introduced to your podcast, like I listened to your daughter's story and, you know, heard about her anemia and I'm like, there has to be, you know, like we all have some connections in our stories and anemia was my like first sign that something was going on with me. I would walk myself into the ER and be like, I think I need a transfusion. And they would be like, oh, okay. I'm like, no, like. I'm having a hard time like walking up a flight of stairs. Like I feel really exhausted. And they're like, well, like you're in nursing school, you're working full time. Like, you know, and then the, the, the blood work would come back and my hemoglobin would be like Mm 5.8 and they'd be like, whoa, okay. Yeah, you do. I would get a transfusion and then I would go about my day. And we were like, we got to get this figured out. Like, why are you like losing so much blood yeah like what is going on and and I'm in nursing school at this time so like which was horrible because I'm like learning all this stuff and like I'm one of those people that like ignorance is bliss in this situation because I'm like this could be really bad like why am I having all these transfusions like you know I'm opening my nursing books and like just finding all these outrageous things that could be going on and just freaking myself out and the transfusions got to become like where it was like every couple of weeks. I wow. think the most I would go would be two weeks without needing a transfusion. Oh my God. So at that point we're seeing a whole bunch of doctors around the, the area. Um, I think I saw like eight or nine specialists and then my, over the Christmas break, my parents were like, you need to take off some work, like come back home. Let's see some doctors around here so we can figure out like what's going on. I'm like, okay, cool. So we do a, a bone marrow biopsy, everything is fine. We still can't figure out what's going on. And I saw a doctor that was like, you know what? I bet it's stress. I'm like, stress? I don't think so. Mm. Like they tried putting me on like anti-anxiety medication, sleep medication, throwing everything at the wall to try to figure out what was going on. And thank goodness for, again, like my parents have like saved my life on multiple occasions. Um, They started like requesting that I'd be seen at uh, specialty hospitals. So we tried to get into the Cleveland Clinic. We tried getting into MD Anderson. And finally, we got into the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So um, mind you, I'm still in nursing school at this point. Yeah. So we are like, okay, we'll do it over spring break, which happened to be my birthday. So I didn't have to take off any school or anything. And we go to the Mayo Clinic over spring break. Like all my friends are like partying it up, like (laughs) going to the beach. And I'm like, I'm going to go to the Mayo Clinic, try to figure out why, like I keep having this anemia issue. 
we go to the Mayo Clinic and they do like a full body workup and they're like, you know what? Like, we don't think you're producing enough erythropoietin, which is like the hormone that helps produce red blood cells. And we're like, okay. And they're like, you can do these like EPO shots and it should help. And we're like, okay, cool. So we do like an EPO shot, like it doesn't help. And then like, I kid you not, on my birthday, we do this kidney biopsy and it turns out like two of the three tissue samples were already necrotic. And they pull us in a room and they're like, telling us about this biopsy and they're like, we think you're going to need a kidney transplant. And we're like, what? Mm. (laughs) Like I'm in nursing school. I work full time as a medical assistant. Like, like to hear that, like you need a kidney transplant, like possibly soon. Like it was very vague was just like, I mean, that was like life altering. I mean, not to be too dramatic, but it was like, it was, it was hard to understand. I remember for the next couple of days, we were like, what? Like my blood work was all normal. Like as far as kidney function went, like I had my diabetes under control, like the insulin pump was so helpful. Like I was like super confused. And of course, like in my head and in my parents and my families, it's like, oh, this must have something to do with like, what's going like what happened with your dad like you know like we know he had something autoimmune but we just don't know what maybe this is it and so i i had this feeling that like are we just putting a band-aid over something much bigger that much bigger yeah um and spoiler alert uh, we we didn't find anything so we are still Looking. i guess in a way like putting band-aids on but now, let me clarify uh, for a second for people. So the yeah. so what was happening was is that this hormone that you seem to be deficient in mm-hmm. it, it helps the kidney something it's something in the kidney that stimulates red blood cell production. Mm-hmm. So you're it's actually made in the bone marrow. The bone marrow goes to the kidney. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh-huh. in general, the way your path worked here is when you when you're anemic and you're not bleeding they just think you have cancer. Like that's the, yes, right. That's the first step. So yes. then they rule that out. And then you dig deeper to find out that there's a problem with this hormone and the stimulation of red blood, red blood, red blood cell production, which makes sense for you being anemic. But mm-hmm. then they dig further into that and see that the reason that's happening is because you have kidney damage. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. There it, is a way and I'm not very sure on how, like you can see if it's damaged from diabetes or if it, or just other. And so they did do that and it wasn't from the diabetes. Now I will tell you, I having type one, I don't think ever helps. I don't, you know, like the years that I struggled and like just being diabetic in general, I don't think our, our organs are like, yay. Um, but they were able to see that like the, the dying of the kidney cells like wasn't diabetes related. So they were like, Hey, like there is this possibility that like you could like just have a kidney pancreas transplant and then you wouldn't be diabetic anymore. And like, I had never even heard of that. And I was like, well, what? not be diabetic. Uh, that would be cool. And they're like, yeah, you take the same medications for it. But the thing is, is like, you're probably going to need this transplant. So we would want to do the kidney first and then maybe come back and do the pancreas later. And it was just so overwhelming. And they were like, you know what? You can like, you can stop 
school and I was like, no, I'm finishing school. So after spring break, I went home, finished nursing school, graduated, took my boards, became a nurse. And then that October, I had my first transplant. It was actually a childhood friend of mine. Like we have been friends since I was like three and she ended up being like a perfect match, like even over like relatives. She gave you a kidney? She absolutely did. Yeah. Uh Like couldn't ask for a better friend, right? (laughs) Oh, I mean, Jesus, she's on the Christmas card list forever. Um, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) How does, what year is this? This is 2015. 2015. Yeah. How do you do that? Facebook? Phone calls? Yeah. How do you go, hey, everyone, who wants to give Mary a kidney? Right. And so I don't even have a social media. I mean, I do have a social media presence, but I'm not one to even like post. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just kind of like a silent member. Um, So my mom, like she was keeping everyone updated with like what was going on with me. She would be like, hey, like we saw these doctors today. Things are looking good. So people were kind of waiting for an update about the Mayo trip. So that was kind of the way we got the word out and and really just by word of mouth. Um, so she just kind of put like, Hey, we kind of have some sad news. She's possibly going to need a kidney transplant within the next year. Like if you are interested in finding out if you're a match, like get with me and I'll send you the information. And so I was very blessed to have a lot of people interested in being the donor. And then I feel some sort of guilt you know, like, I, I don't want to take anyone's kidney from them. Like, it was it was a difficult time. I think that's um, an astonishing thing to do. They yeah. To, to, to donate an org- a healthy organ. Like, I, yeah. I can't wrap my head around doing that for some reason. Yeah. And, like, a year prior to that, my uncle had just randomly donated a kidney, which is just another bizarre piece of the story. I can't believe you heard um, back from that many people. I feel like the people I know would be like... <laughs> Uh, I didn't didn't see that post. Sorry. I wish I would have. I definitely would have given you my kidney, but I I didn't see it. Yeah. No, I I assume no one would reply to that. (laughs) Yeah, it was very sweet. And like, I'm type O, which like we are the universal donators. But like in order to receive, like you have to have my exact same blood type. Mm -hmm. So that narrowed it down a lot. There like are over 100,000 people right now on the kidney transplant list. Like if you just want to wait, but mine was getting so bad. Like they were like, you probably should try to find someone because I was fine just being on the waiting list, but the average was like six years. And then on top of that, what was my blood type? It could be any, even longer than that. Were you going to have to do dialysis if you went that way? mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we had the first one that October. So we went from March to transplant in October. Um, total shock to like the path I was on. I I did become a nurse. And so I was learning, I was still learning about all that was going on with my body while also experiencing it. And, um, it further solidified, I wanted to be a nurse though, because I can tell you like the many times I was in the hospital, like I may not remember what I was there for, what was going on, but like, I remembered the nurses, like if they were kind, if they, you know, truly took care of me, like, the nurses are what made the difference in my hospital days. Okay. So I was like, okay, I'm on the right career path here. Like this experience will just help me once, once I'm better. Um, so we have the surgery, mm-hmm. everything went great. Kidney function is great. 
diabetes is still going well. I had a very hard time recovering. It was a very rough recovery for me. I didn't eat for 10 days. I was having a lot of like post-procedure nausea. And so when they started talking to me about having the pancreas transplant, I just said, absolutely not. Like, no. Um, I'm like, do I have to? And they're like, no, but like, you could not be diabetic. I'm like, cool, but no. Like, Mm. that surgery was so awful. Like, I don't ever want to experience that again. And they're like, okay, well, maybe you'll change your mind later. So a year later, they're like, are you sure you don't want to? Like, it's, it's already the same medication. The only thing would be is like, he wouldn't be diabetic anymore. I'm like, okay, fine. Like, that does sound nice. So they put me on the pancreas transplant waiting list, which is significantly smaller. It only has like 200 people versus 100,000 people. Mm-hmm. So they're like, that. it's a very high possibility it'll happen. So in 2018, I did have a pancreas transplant. And the recovery was a little bit better. I'll still say it was rough, but it was a little bit better. But I wasn't diabetic anymore. And like my life, like when I tell you the transition was weird, it was very weird. Like, first of all, so many people haven't even heard of a pancreas transplant. So the idea of me not being diabetic anymore was just unheard of. And I couldn't get it out of my head. I was like constantly thinking about what my blood sugar was, thinking about the carbs I was eating. I didn't change my diet at all. You know, people would be like, do you want to go get an icy or, you know, we should have like an ice cream party to celebrate. And I'm just like, no, like, you know, I'm, I'm just happy for my organs. Like it, it was, it was interesting, but I was, I was grateful for it. I will say the thing that I wish I would have researched prior to this is that they do not have a very high success rate. And I wish I would have researched that better because how how long did you not have diabetes for like almost two years, almost two years. So the pandemic comes March of 2020, if I'm remembering correct. And then May of 2020, I go into the hospital and DKA. Like when they told me my blood sugar was 500, I was like, okay, like it failed. You have blood work like monthly and they check like your pancreatic enzymes. That is like one of the first signs that your pancreas is failing. That didn't go that way for me. It just, it just stopped one day, just stopped working. I went back into the hospital um, at the Mayo Clinic and they were like, yeah, actually like this is actually pretty common. Like the pancreas is a very vascular organ, like for it to work and last, you know, and I'm just like, where was all this information? <laughs> like, <laughs> No one mentioned like, that in the brochure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. I'm like, Oh, like maybe. And like we talked about earlier, like you can't, you can't sit there and go like, what if I, you know, you yeah, can't go no. back and like change any decisions, but did they offer you another one? Like on a, like they did. Yeah. And I said, no. I was like, you know what? Like, we have made so many advancements, like, between the Dexcom and now, like, the Tandem Pump, which is what I use, like, the Control IQ. I'm like, and this has been my whole life. Like, I, I'm i not interested. Like, I'm not interested in having another one. Um, and they're like, okay, well, if you ever change your mind, let us know. And it's, you know, it's been almost three years now, and I have no desire uh, to go through that again. 
just because I feel like I would still be checking my blood sugar, like worrying about going back into DKA. And of course, when you go into DKA, that doesn't help like your transplanted kidney mm-hmm. at all. <laughs> so <laughs> not looking to, it, not looking to tax that thing for sure. Um, yeah. Wow. How how are the anti rejection meds? Are there a lot of them? What's the process? There's, yeah, the anti rejection meds. I'm on three. Um, the biggest side effects is like GI issues, and so you really just have to like work on finding like the right dose, like you want to make sure you're taking a high enough dose that keeps your immune system suppressed in order for that organ to like stay and be like, not try to Mm -hmm. reject. Um, But also like keeping those symptoms like from taking over your life. So that takes a little bit of an adjustment. But once you get them adjusted, um, it's fine. So you take prednisone, and then you take two other anti-rejection medications medications you take them twice a day every 12 hours but like that's not hard just make sure you set your alarm (laughs) i have an interesting or maybe stupid question do you have did you have any other like autoimmune things that have kind of dissipated since you're on the since your immune system is being tamped down like did you have any joint pain or like any other weird No. no you know what i mean no yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And no, I have been fortunate to not have yeah, anything else. Other things go on. Arise. Yeah. I wonder if like I don't know. Like I wonder if that wouldn't have helped your father at some point too. Just mm-hmm. kind of quell. Oh, definitely. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? My family like got a hold of like all his medical records, like hundreds and hundreds of medical records and like I read through them and I'm just like, "Man, if if he had the technology that we had today, like who knows you know, what they like, could have figured out. Cause I mean, what you, they could have figured out. You said something so telling about his story. You're like, they did exploratory surgery and that really isn't a thing anymore. Like no. they, they don't cut you open and just poke around. <laughs> <laughs> no. And they did. I remember yeah. when my family told me that I was like, what? They're like, yeah, just like a Y, like just align up your stomach. And then like, just, they just open you up and they just kind of look to see what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so much more that can be done from the exterior of the body now with right. tech, with technology and imaging and, te- and, and better testing and everything. It's a, it's just a fascinating look inside of like just two generations, you know? Yeah. Oh, so, absolutely. Well, absolutely. What's the, um, how do you feel day to day? Like, like, uh, well, actually stop. I'm stopping myself. I want to go back. Two years, you don't have diabetes because you have the transplant. Mm-hmm. But you couldn't shake the feeling that you were diabetic. Yes. It just didn't go away. Mm-hmm. So was it not relieving psychologically to have the new pancreas? No, I want to say it was. I mean, it didn't enter. It wasn't like a daily thought. It didn't interfere to where like, I wasn't enjoying not changing pump sites and, you know, changing Dexcoms. And honestly, the financial relief was really nice. (laughs) Like there are a lot of things to be grateful for. And I did, I did enjoy it, but I would be lying if I said like, anytime I didn't feel good, that was my first thought. Or I, I never got over the fact of like looking at a meal and just knowing how much insulin that would have 
Yeah, that didn't go away. No. You lo- every meal you looked at, you're like, oh, this is like five units yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Oh and like, gosh. like I said, I don't really have a sweet tooth. So like, yeah, of course, like I ate more carbs. Like when I would like go to a restaurant and have like three rolls instead of like one, I'd be like, wow, you know, <laughs> like in my head being like, you know how much insulin this would take? Like, oh my God, I'm going to have another roll, like a crazy person. Yeah, like going out of control now. Were the doctors at all like they they just called it a failed transplant? Mm-hmm. It's not your your immune system didn't come for the pancreas again, right? Yeah. And how do they tell the difference between that? Do you know? I don't know, but I know that and, and like I said, it's like another like mystery. Like hmm, like usually this shows up in the blood work, and like there's things you can do to like prevent it from completely failing. You know, because they do tell you that like you're gonna get these enzymes checked, and if these enzymes are elevated, then we're gonna increase you know, your, um, anti-rejection meds or because the pancreas is, is a very vascular organ, like you're also on blood thinners. And so it could have gotten a clot. And if there's a clot and it's not working, you know, and so like they ran all the tests, they did the ultrasounds, like there's no clot, like, (laughs) and the enzymes are still normal yet it failed. Are you, were you like, you gotta be kidding me? Yes. I mean, <laughs> I would have been like, come on. Like, to this day, I'm like, can I just, like, can I not? You reached be... into that pile and pulled out a bad pancreas and gave it to me? Yeah. Like, can <laughs> like, I like, please yeah. have something normal happen? Like, they're always like, wow, like, what a mystery. It's like, I'm tired of being your mystery. Like, <laughs> terrific. Yeah. 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 That sucks. So, I'm sorry. Well, and. Uh, no, I was going to say, like, I told you I could talk for hours, but the pancreas transplant process, like, you were waiting, like, you know, you, that can only be from a deceased donor, and so you had to have your phone on you at all times, and you're waiting for this call, and, like, when I finally got it, it was the third call. Like, I had been called twice, and then it ended up not going through, hmm. and so that's another thing I didn't want to go through. Like, I don't want to be attached to my phone again, like, waiting on this call and having to drop everything to go have a transplant. Like, there's just so many reasons. Um, yeah. That you just did not uh, about the process, yeah, and, and and the outcomes that it's just not something you want to go through again. No, and I think like the technology that we have today is a huge reason for that. I mean, if this was when I was nine and I was diagnosed, like yeah, sign me up. But like my control is like, I mean, my last A1C was five point two. Like I couldn't be happier with the tandem and the Dexcom. I think it's such an interesting part of your story that that you're like, eh, I, it's okay. Let's not do it again. <laughs> Let's- like I think that I think people hearing that will think that you are somehow special in the way you manage your diabetes because you don't talk about like you talk about the stress and the anxiety of the transplant process, but you don't talk about the stress and anxiety of having diabetes. Whereas I think other people would hear that and think, well, there's stress and anxiety somewhere, but why are you not up? Like, why does having diabetes not bother you? Oh yeah. That's a great question. I know. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I mean, you're full of them. (laughs) Um, even like, And I do have to give like a huge shout out to even your podcast. And and that's not a lie. Like we didn't have social media when I was diagnosed. I didn't have a diabetes community. My parents did send me to diabetes camp and I cried 
when they left because I didn't know anyone. But like just having the access to all the information and just really the Dexcom and the Control IQ and just being able to like resource yourself with the best knowledge you can have. Like it really, the flexibility, and I think my generation understands that more than anyone. Like this could be so much worse. Like we have so much freedom and that's something that I give your podcast a lot of kudos for. It's like, Hey, actually like this doesn't have to change the way you leave, live your life. Like, well, and that's very yeah. kind, but there's something about you. You don't know what it is though, huh? I don't think I know what it is. Yeah. No, I think just, I think maybe because it's, it's all I've known, you know, like I just diagnosed when I was nine. It's just like, it's just a part of life. I don't know. My back's hurt most of my life. And if you told me I could get rid of it, I wouldn't be like, don't worry, I'm used to it. Like, you know, there's something about you. You don't, it's fine. You'd be the wrong one to ask. You don't know why you're wired the way you are. And you don't, no. and you don't see yourself as that. You see yourself as you. So you, you don't know, mm-hmm. but there's something there. Are you married? No, I'm not. Ever been? No. no. Care to be? Someday. Yeah. Someday. Yeah. I'm I'm really more of my parents like, like since my mom like lost my dad tragically, like was very much like learn to take care of yourself, like don't rely on anybody and like everything I've been through. I'm just like I'm very content like in what I'm doing and That's what I'm trying yeah. to get at. Like I'm trying to figure out if it's um I'm trying to figure out if it's that you've got deeper perspective than most people. I would think so. And that diabetes is just like, eh, well, at least nobody died. You, you know what I mean? Or, or somebody who <laughs> uh, at one point in your life, you were like, ah, I probably have cancer. And that didn't happen. And so you have, you know what I mean? But there's a, even like just going back to nursing school, mm-hmm. when, when someone says to you, hey, you're going to need a kidney transplant the next year. And you're like, well, I'm just going to go back to Oklahoma and get a my RN first, and then we'll come back and do that transplant thing. Like most people would be like, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's transplant the kidney. And then I'll go back to school after that. <laughs> like, so are you stubborn? Very, right. very in a pleasant yeah. way. Or like if we dated what I hate you, which, which, <laughs> which you know what what? I mean? would I be like, Oh my God, she never bends on anything. Or would you just, you're just a stick to a person. I think it's more of a stick to a person. I mean, I don't know. You'd have to ask my ex-boyfriends, but um. <laughs> <laughs> there's like a, you think there's like a group of guys, like they get together once a week and they're like, it's like their support group for having dated Mary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Is there any but way, I, is there any way I can't call this episode? There's something about Mary. Absolutely. I think can. I have to, right? Yeah, very fitting. <laughs> because before that, I all I had was Mary had diabetes and she didn't have diabetes and she had diabetes again, which seemed too wordy. It's to very long. Yeah, it's very long. It's <laughs> <laughs> like that's going to be too long. Um, or guess who has diabetes? Or everybody who? Nah, see, it's not there. I'm going with there's something about Mary because True. there's it, it, because I am being serious. Like you've you've highlighted a number of different decisions that I think most people would have gone the other way on. Mm-hmm. And you're very, yeah. and you seem happy. I am. Yeah. Happy yeah. Person. You're not high, right? Yeah. 
No, no. And like, I'm, wait, wait, I'm not on. even. I don't think you heard me. You're not high right now, right? Like, oh, God, no. No, okay. All right. Like, you're not happy because you're altered. Yeah, I'm not caked. <laughs> Is that a word? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. You've never, you've never heard caked? I didn't. I've never. Oh, Look well, at me. Here a lot. Finally, yeah. finally, me learning something about about <laughs> drug culture that I didn't know already. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's interesting. I, I come across this a number of times where you ask a person a question about themselves and you can just tell like they don't know the answer. Mm -hmm. And I understand it. You know what I mean? Like, like I understand like there are things I do. I don't know why they happen or why they work mm -hmm. or don't work or some, you know, something like that. Uh, it's just interesting in this context. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything we didn't talk about that we should have? Man, I don't think so. Like I said, I know we're running over time. I didn't even get to tell you that the first kidney failed and I had to go on dialysis for a year, but we don't even have to talk what about that. Fuck, Mary, why didn't you bring that up? Okay, hold on a second. So the friend that gave you the kidney, you don't have that one anymore? <laughs> I don't. What's the what's the process you go through to go tell that person that that happened? Gosh. It was it was difficult because well, the way it happened is, you know, the pancreas, like 2020 was just a really bad year for me because the pancreas failed in May and, you know, I, I get back on the pump. I've adjusted to that mentally. And then in July I get dehydrated and I go to the hospital and like, I can't even make this up. Like they forgot about me. Like they forgot about me in the room. I get really sick. I'm left alone for two days. Like my insulin pump dies. That's like a whole other episode in itself. Mary, so basically, you got abandoned in a room in a hospital. And nobody knew you were I there, did. and you were too sick to get help. Yeah. What mm -hmm. the? I know. <laughs> oh my god! What what state was this in? Um, it was in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Actually, I, I move immediately after that, but that's okay. So, um, how does that happen? Yeah, it was it was horrible. I went in for dehydration. I get admitted, of course, like when you, when you're diabetic and you've had a transplant, like staying overnight to be observed is like pretty common. Mm -hmm. And I'm fine with that. There's been like several hospitalizations, which I could go on a whole tangent about how people don't understand type one versus type two, but like they would try to take my pump off of me. And I'm like, that's fine. Like you can monitor my blood sugars and and the insulin, I understand, but like, if you're going to take my pump off, you're going to have to give me some background insulin. Like I'm going to need some Lantus or, you know, and they just like, there's just no comprehension of that. And like, that's something I want to work on. Like, let's educate people with type one. Yeah. Cause like, there's just, there's just not a great understanding of it. Um, in the hospital setting. And so I lie and they're like, will you turn your pump off? I'm like, sure. And so, but I didn't. I kept it on because they weren't going to give me any background insulin. And so I let them give me like bolus insulin. And then like they just stopped coming in to check on me. And like I'm getting worse and worse. The pump dies. My cell phone dies. And so it was 2020. And so you weren't allowed to have visitors at the hospital. And so my mom would just call and check on me. And when my phone died, she was like, okay, something's wrong. So she like barges into the hospital and it's like, where's my daughter? And like comes in and like, I am like, I'm almost dead. Like I almost died. Like I'm on 10 liters of oxygen. They have to like put 
a central line in my neck, like without even numbing it, like they couldn't get a line started. It was, it was horrible. I luckily I don't remember a lot of it. I think my mind like mentally blocked it for a reason because it was so traumatic. But I remember once I started to get better, they were like, yeah, like your kidney didn't make it. And I'm like, well, that makes sense. You know, like (laughs) your kidney didn't make it. I almost didn't make it. (laughs) You're like, listen, I'm glad to be alive. So So then you in the hospital, they have to find you another kidney right away. No, you can't do that. There's that's not going to happen. You have to go on dialysis. Yeah. Yeah. So it's one of those situations where it's like, it's one of those situations, Mary, nothing you've said today is one of those (laughs) situations. This is very specific stuff, but go ahead. It is right. It is. Yeah. So they basically just say like, um, I mean, it didn't completely fail, but it's like, it's on its way down. It's one of those things where it's like, Hey, like you don't have to go on dialysis immediately, but like this, this isn't going to make it like long-term. Um, so I think for like my friend that donated the first one, like there was a little bit of understanding there because it was, it was really truly out of my control. I think had I like not taken my medication or wasn't taking care of myself and it failed, there would be a lot of guilt there, but she knew like what happened with the hospital. And I think it was just a mutual, like mutual understanding that like, there was nothing I could do. Oh, I bet when you left that. her house, she went in the other room and she was like, son of a bitch. I, oh, I would have been so pissed. And not at yeah. you. Not at you, by the way. Just at the the whole thing. I would have yeah. been like, oh, my God, I gave my kidney to Mary and now she doesn't have it anymore. Exactly. Yeah. I'm like, can we burn this hospital down? Mm, oh, I would have been <laughs> like, so mad. Oh, my God. I, I can't even explain to you the anger. <laughs> I, I have yeah. it now and it didn't happen to me. It's yeah. it's infuriating, and I and and maybe not. Well, you want to say it's no one's fault, but the it's pretty shaky what happened to you at the hospital. So, do you think mm-hmm. if you would have gone in there and been treated well, you'd still have that kidney? Oh, for sure. I yeah. went in for dehydration. Yeah, like my blood, like and like we even have the records. Like my blood sugar on admission was one hundred eight. Like, and I'll, that will be permanently engraved in my head. Like, there is no reason I should have gone into DKA. You don't like, sue somebody over this? I'm just asking. You know what? That's interesting. I actually have an uncle who's a lawyer, and those are really hard to prove because, like, unless you're dead, like, they have, like, people document that they do stuff that they don't. Like, it's really, it's really one of those cases where it's hard to prove. And it might be traumatic for you. I think that was, like, another issue is like was I really ready to like go through all of that again Mm -hmm. so I mean you know still can it's only been three years but um so so, yeah yeah okay so tell me so you have to go on on dialysis Mm -hmm. for a while and then they find you another kidney and now you have that one Mm -hmm. and this yeah so I went on dialysis for 10 months and actually my aunt ended up being my second kidney donor and it's working beautifully unreal yeah. you got another person unreal. to give you a kidney mm-hmm. Can you believe that? no i know <laughs> no, i can't <laughs> i would have i advised your aunt i was like listen <laughs> you, know what I mean? girl, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you got a lot going on <laughs> what did george bush say that day fool me once fool me can't get fooled again <laughs> <laughs> is that not true it's one yeah. of my favorite like miss like somebody trying to say something and then saying it wrong i it, this has nothing to do with politics for me he just 
Do you know this? You're kind of young. You might not know this. The George Best thing? Yeah. Do you know that? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. Because <laughs> there's an old saying around here. And then he he, he wants to say, um, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, fool shame, me twice on me. shame on me. He wants yeah. to say that, but he just says like... <laughs> It's just so damn funny. Fooled man can't be fooled again. <laughs> He's like, fool me, don't get fooled again. <laughs> like he just <laughs> he gets into it and he realizes I don't know this quote, and he just rolls through it as fast as he can. And you know he had that like weird, um, like when he was embarrassed, he'd get that like hey, look on his face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. I'm gonna find the audio and put it in here when I edit it. It's just so funny. Uh, anyway, I that's I imagine your aunt being like. Mm. No, 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 no. Fool me once, baby. <laughs> but that's yeah. really wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, wow. And being, like, blood-related, I think, has also been great because, like, it is – I could not ask for a better kidney. Like, it is functioning perfectly. That was in September of 21, and no issues. So – I'll be there. Very, very – you know, and it's hard to like find people that like don't drink and don't do drugs. And like my aunt is one of those people and she had perfectly healthy kidney. And when hmm. they went in to take it, they were like, actually, like you have two arteries connected to this kidney. Like you probably won't see any effects from having this surgery. And that made me feel good because taking someone's kidney was hard the first time. And it's definitely hard the oh, second time. There's it's not no one way. of those things. That, like, you just get used to. Yeah, no, there's no way you didn't think, I'm going to take my aunt's kidney, it's going to fail. Right. Yeah. And then, yeah. and I have to go tell her then what happened. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, this was terrific. I'm, you were, uh, you're a great storyteller and, and lovely to listen to. Um, I, I can't tell I you how, how, yeah, how generous it is of you to come tell this whole story. Thank you. Um, yeah. I just hope it encourage someone, you know, because, like, the podcast, really has been like really mentally helpful for me. I actually didn't even hear about it until one of my best friend's husbands got diagnosed at the 32. And he was like, Hey, do you ever listen to the juice box podcast? I'm like, what's that? Like, he's like, Oh, you got to listen to it. I think you would really like it. And I just like binged listening to it. And I think I emailed you at like 11 o'clock at night. And it was like, I love your podcast. Like, <laughs> I wish this was around when I was younger. I get a lot of emails like that. They freak me out. <laughs> well, I was and one of those. They're very nice. I just, even just now when you said that you're, you know, you know a person who got diagnosed and they said, have you ever heard the Juice Box podcast? Like that is otherworldly to me that there's a person having a conversation like that out in the world. And I know it happens a lot, but it's hard. Oh, to, you have no idea. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to, yeah. to, like, I don't know what it's hard to do. It's hard to accept, I think, on this side. That it's happening. Oh, I bet. Yeah. All yeah. right. I'm going to read it to you. There's an old saying in Tennessee. I know it's in Texas, probably in Tennessee, that says <laughs> he's already like he's already lost. Like because I think I think he's in Texas and realizes that after he says Tennessee, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna do a deep dive on this. Anyway, there's an old saying in Texas. I know it's in, oh no, hold on. Now I'm messed up. There's an old saying in Tennessee, I know it's in Texas, probably in Tennessee, that says, fool me once. And then you have to hear the audio because there's a long pause. He goes, shame on, shame on you. Fool me. You can't get fooled again. <laughs> and he rolls through the end. Oh my God, it's, if no one's heard it, just Google it for God's sake. It's hilarious.
Um, no, it's like that clip is used in a song. Is it really? Yeah, there's a J. Cole song, which I'm guessing you don't listen to rap or hip hop. Well, I do. I do um, if my son's around, but his stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He hasn't done J. Cole in a while. I don't know. So, what he, I don't know what he's up to. Actually, I do know what he's up to now. He tried to tell me the other day that I have to. What music was he giving me the other day? I don't know if I saved it. Mix something. Oh, hell. He's at work or I would just text him. So if you were feeling really inspired, you could look up J. Cole's No Role Models and he samples it in that song. All right. I'll find that. I've heard. I think I've heard that before. But I'm just going to like, hold on a second. There's an old saying in Tennessee, I know it's in Texas, probably in Tennessee, that says, fool me once, shame on, shame on you. It fooled me, we can't get fooled again. All right, that clip, that clip adds laughter to it, which is not necessary, whoever did that. It's hilarious enough on its own. I'm going to find the clean, um, the clean version of it. It's just like, you're watching him. And you could see on his face, he's like, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I but can't I stop now. I can't yeah. stop now. <laughs> see, It's if- so great when it's sampled in that song, too. Because like, I don't even think a lot of people remember that. If, if I, it's, one of the favorite, it's one of my favorite things that's happened in my lifetime. <laughs> like, it's just so <laughs> awkward. Um, if I was a politician, I would go... If I got in that spot, I'd stop and go, you know what? I was just going to, there's a saying I was going to recant to you. And I just, for the life of me, I can't remember it right now. And and I would just keep going. Like, I don't know why you would like, I don't know yeah. why you would do that. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> he also wanted to be internet famous. Well, he is. Proud. He is for so, me. I, it's one mm-hmm. of the best things that's happened in my lifetime as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Top 10. No, it's <laughs> wonderful. Uh, that and you tricking two people to give you a kidney. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm glad right. I made it in the top. No, Mary. Okay. All right. The, you were again terrific. I, I will uh, let me let me stop the recording and say goodbye to you. First things first. Hey, first things first. Mary, what a great great interview. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. I have the soup the nuts answer. I'll put that at the end. But I want to thank Dexcom for sponsoring this episode, Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. Head over now, get your benefits check, get started, or just look around. And Omnipod, thank you too. Omnipod 5 and Omnipod Dash. Omnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Same thing. Go check it out. Might even be able to take a test drive of that pod. Check one out right in your house for free. Use my link. Find out more. Omnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Links in the show notes. Links at juiceboxpodcast.com to these and all the sponsors. Okay, you ready? Soup to nuts. Pretty self-explanatory once I looked it up. And I think I was on to it at the beginning. From beginning to end, soup to nuts is an American English idiom that conveys the meaning of from beginning to end. Derived from the description of a full course dinner. Soup to nuts. I guess you used to get nuts at the end. I guess the nuts come at the end. And the soup at the beginning. So soup to nuts. Also, a fun fact, the 1930s feature film starring 
a trio of uh, kooky people who later became known as the Three Stooges was also called Soup to Nuts. This episode is called Something About Mary, but it was almost called Fool Me Once. Boy, it still could be. Am I about to talk myself out of the title? I have the title written down as There's Something About Mary, because Mary's terrific or something about her. You know what I mean? But Fool Me Once, that's the George Bush thing. Hmm. I don't know. I guess I'm going to surprise myself. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.